Good morning all, we can start making our way to our seats. We'll get started this morning. Great to see everybody this morning. Had some wonderful rain come through early. I slept pretty good for those few hours in there. Uh, it's a beautiful, humid, hot day, but praise God for you all being here to join us in worship and exalting our Lord this morning. I want to welcome everybody watching us online. So glad you're able to join us and just have a few uh, announcements as we prepare this morning. First off, just as a reminder, um, I know many of you received the email from our pastor, Grady, who is a uh, able to go with his family over the next two and a half weeks to uh, on an adventure across the Midwest. And so they're making their way um, up to the Tetons and Yellowstone and uh, Mike Presley and Amy and their boys are with them. They're just going to go on an adventure together. So please pray no bears. Um, <laughs> he's going to be going to, they're going to be hiking in some countries with bears and some other things. But no, we do pray for protection, travel things, but we're so glad they're able to get away, relax and enjoy some time. They've been preparing for this trip for a couple years now. We're so excited that uh, the Smiths and the Presleys can be together. So just pray for them over the next two and a half weeks. We want to make you aware of a few gatherings that are happening over the next few weeks in the life of our church. First, as a reminder, as we're going through our prayer series over the next uh, five more weeks, that we do have a couple gatherings that we want to encourage you to be a part of if you find the time to do so. Every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. in room one over here in the gym building is a prayer time from 8 to 845. And it's just a good way to kick off the morning. They pray for things going on in the service and different things in the community. And then the second and fourth Sundays in the afternoons at 4.30 here in the sanctuary, um, they meet. But one, just a little uh, reminder for this next month, um, that's not this week, but next week, they will be meeting. But till the end of August, uh, the prayer gathering at 4.30 will be in the gym building over here in room one. Our teenagers are... Uh, going to provide an opportunity for us to see a drama on the book of Ruth. So we're very excited about that. And so they're having to be in the sanctuary over the next few weeks to prepare for that, which we will have an opportunity and we'll communicate to you to see that in late August. So the next prayer gathering, the fourth Sunday, will be over in the gym building at 430. A couple things coming up. Uh, men, uh, you guys are having a trail hike and devotional on Wednesday, July 26th at 6 p.m. at the Lagoon Park Trails. This event and the other two I'm about to mention are all on the website at gatewaybaptist.com under the News and Events tab. So you can go in there to see all the details on the church website um, and all the information needed for that. Also, we're very excited about this. This is, I can't remember how many years now. I'm through the road of X here. I'm trying to see. Um, we get to serve and have the opportunity to bless Capitol Heights Middle School, uh, where we get to go and prepare them for the year by serving and cleaning their grounds. Uh, prayer walk in the campus, doing some projects around campus. So we're going to do that again on Monday night, August 7th at 5.30. Uh, dinner will be provided. Um, you need to register so we can know how much food to get and for us to be able to know how to place different individuals around campus to work. Again, all those details and registration is on the church website. Lastly, uh, for visitors, those that may have been visiting for your first time this morning or many times over the past few weeks, we want an opportunity to get to know us a little better. And so we provide what we call a Discover Gateway Lunch. Um, it's on Sunday, August 20th is the next one after the worship service. Uh, you will be going to Pastor Grady's home to enjoy a good lunch together and then just have a time of uh, conversation and questions and dialogue to kind of learn about our DNA and who we are as a, as a church fellowship. And so all that information and the registration is on the website as well. And lastly, speaking to that, we just always want to provide opportunities for connection. And so we just ask if you guys, you know, this, this isn't the only moment. 
I mean, this is a wonderful time to gather to prayer, to worship, to be discipled, to be encouraged during this hour, hour and 15 minutes. But we want you to connect deeply with each of us and to share life together and connect in different ways. So please come talk to me if you want to know what's going on in the life of our body, different life groups, different Sunday school Bible studies. All that information also is on the website at the top of our website. It's a connect tab that you can click and know what's going on in the life of our body. But we would love for you to go deeper in all these different settings and different opportunities for <coughs> discipleship and connection. So please come and talk to me about that if you're willing and have some questions. All right, let's please stand and prepare ourselves to worship our Lord through song and worship. I love these two verses. It's one of the shortest psalms, but I just love what it expresses in preparing us this morning. This is Psalm 117. And the psalmist says, Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples. For great is his steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Let's praise the Lord.
We were getting ready to worship this morning, practice this morning. I remember this week singing this song, and it's so familiar. It's such a familiar song, um, How Great Is Our God, and it's so um, often done on the radio and by many, many different people. And I remember last night hearing this first verse for the first time again and singing How Great Is Our God, and that's not a question, it's a statement. Amen. And um, as we sing this this morning, look past the familiar and look at the greatness of our God. Splendor of the King, golden majesty, that all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light And darkness tries to hide And trembles at his voice Trembles at his voice How great is our God
great in Zion, and he is exalted above all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is he. The strength of the king loves justice. You have established equity. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. footstool. Holy is he. And Lord, we come before you, a holy God, one that we can say there is none like you. And that in your holiness is wrapped up all of your character, all of your attributes in their perfection. Lord, there is none like you. Lord, thank you for the privilege to come together as believers today, to sing your praises, to exalt the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we'll be doing that for eternity. And we get to start now. Lord, thank you for that. And thank you for the privilege, Lord, of coming before you, Lord, in prayer with not only our praises, Lord, but with our requests, Lord, because we are a needy people. Lord, we thank you that in this church, Lord, you've blessed us with many multiple generations. We thank you particularly for those, Lord, who are in their the latter phases of their life, Lord, our senior adults. and Thank you, Lord, for the wisdom you've given us collectively in this church, Lord. And we just pray your blessing on those in that group, Lord. Just pray you'd continue to, to grow them in grace and truth. And, and Lord, just to even put on their hearts, Lord, to, to pour back into those who haven't been where they've been. And, Lord, we're just grateful. And, Lord, we also thank you for so many that are ministering in this church, Lord. We thank you particularly for Lenny and Debbie Dixon, Lord, and Shepherd staff, Lord, that they've given their lives, Lord, to reaching into the, the places where others won't naturally reach and go. And, Lord, to, to holding out life, the life of Christ, and being the hands and feet of Jesus among so many. We pray your blessing on them. Pray, Lord, that you would give them perseverance. Lord, that you'd give them your joy in the midst of all of this and that many would come to know you because of their love for them. Lord, we pray as we do each week for other churches in town and pastors, and this week we pray for Flatline Church and Pastor Dwayne Rember. Lord, thank you for, for their consistent witness in this community, Lord, and in the Chisholm area where they minister, Lord. And, Lord, just pray you'd continue to grow them as a church, Lord. Pray that, Lord, your grace upon grace would be with Dwayne as he continues to minister, Lord. I pray you'd give him perseverance as well. And, Lord, we, we pray across the sea, across the miles, Lord, as we have missionaries in Wintook, Namibia, as they minister the gospel to unbelievers, disciple 
uh, many in the church and their community. Lord, we just pray, Lord, there would be an outpouring of your spirit. Lord, you'd give them, Lord, great uh, endurance. Lord, you'd uh, give them motivation to continue to minister day in and day out. Lord, you'd be meeting their needs. Lord, and that many would come to know our Savior. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you are our great provider, Jehovah Jireh. Lord, that we don't lack here as a church. Lord, thank you for the generous spirit you've given amongst the people here. Lord, and it is a privilege to be a part, Lord, of what you're doing with the gospel here locally and around the world. Just thank you, Lord, for the generous heart of our people here. Lord, we just pray. We thank you for, for Rick, Lord, and the heart that you've given him, Lord, to, to be a teacher and a preacher of your word. As he comes this morning, Lord, to talk to us, Lord, to, to share your word with us as we continue, Lord, to talk about prayer, about the privilege, Lord, and about what it means to come before a holy God in prayer. I pray that your Holy Spirit, Lord, would be upon him. I know you have been as he's prepared. Lord, he would speak the words you'd have him to speak this morning. And I pray, too, that you would, Lord, touch our ears to hear, Lord, our eyes to see, and our hearts to believe and receive your word today, and that we would not be the same. So, Lord, Lord, we just commit this to you, everything we do in this service today. It would be for your honor and your glory alone, and it would be for our greatest joy. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, uh, Jeff uh, is leading children's worship, so if the kids want to follow Jeff, then I told Jeff, uh, I'll hope not to preach a Greg-length sermon. Ah, Greg's like, I can't believe you said that out loud. No, really, really, I, I, it probably will actually be Greg. Um, But the good thing, uh, the movie, they've got, they've got four, so you guys got this, so, all right. I just want to say this real quick, I I don't want to embarrass Greg, but it is kind of fun since he's a Clemson grad, but um, uh, I just love this brother. He's been such an encouragement to me. Uh, He's a prayer warrior, and this this what we're doing has largely been initiated by him, and uh, thank you, thank you, brother. Um, It has been so encouraging uh, to pray with him on Sunday nights and to see just his love for you all. And his love, personally, the love for me as well. This morning, hey, just praying for you. And I needed that because, believe it or not, standing up here is terrifying to me, even after being a pastor for almost 20 years. So, um, thank you, brother. And as we do, I want to get into the text here this morning. So, I would ask you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And uh, we're going to stand together. Uh, Let's stand and read verses 7 through 10, Matthew 6, 7 through 10. Reading from the ESV. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then, Like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is 
in heaven. Father, as we look at this text this morning, I pray that all of us here would see your majesty and your glory. Lord, we need you to help us. We are but dust. And Father, we are dependent on your spirit to reveal, to teach, to instruct, to help us to know and to see who you are. And I pray this morning that your spirit would work in all of us so that in this preaching time, worship would take place. That we would be drawn to who you are and your greatness and your majesty. Thank you for how the songs have prepared us for that. Our hearts are now moved toward how great you are. And I pray that they would stay there. That we would see your glory and your majesty. We thank you and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen. So last week, Greg reminded us, uh, he, gave us a, he gave us a definition of prayer. And I wanted to stick with that definition of prayer and maybe tweak it a little bit. We talked a little bit offline and kind of, well, how do we say this? But if we have it up there on the screen, and he said this, here's how, here's how his definition went. Prayer is our comprehensive, continuous communication to our Creator and Savior God about everything in faith, exchanging our will for whose will? God's will, in order that He, I'm tweaking it a little bit, in order that He might get the glory and we experience His joy. That's a little tweak. I'll I'll throw another tweak. So He talked about continuous communication. I thought about this for a minute. I was studying this. I was like, no, that's a really good definition. However, maybe just a slight, slight tweak on the word communication, and I might add a continuous communion with our Creator. Here's why. Because as I'm, as I'm praying, as we are praying, what are we thinking about? We're thinking about what? Who we're talking to, and how do we understand who we're talking to? The Word. The Word of God, which, what does it do? It informs us who He is and who we are. Yes? Okay? So this communion, this communion that takes place between us and God, is God continually saying to us through His Word, here's who I am. I will be glorified. I will be honored. Don't take my name lightly. I will be exalted among the nations. And as we pray and we think about the things that God says about himself, that continuous communication, that communion with God keeps us what? In a reverent spirit, trusting, holding fast to him and his promises. Yes? So that I think is a really good definition And in our text this morning, what we see in the disciples' prayer, the Lord's Prayer, as is often referred, exemplifies this idea of communing with our Creator and exchanging our will for God's in order that He might be exalted in and through our lives. 
Greg mentioned last week that the elders want to awaken you to the need of prayer. And you'll forgive me, I may be chastised later, that's fine, but my concern is there's very lack of corporate prayer in this church. And my question is why? I need you to ask that question this morning. Why is it on a Sunday when we ask people to pray or Sunday morning we only have two or three or four people? What's going on? And you would sit there and go, well, you know, I pray in my home. Brothers and sisters, we are a community of believers. God has called us to gather together to worship in prayer, to hear each other, to pray for one another corporately. We're not doing that. We're not. My question to you is why? This is essential to our worship. The only way that we can awaken your need to prayer is, I think, to awaken your need for God. You know, it sounds simple, but how often do I need God in my life? I need him every day helping me. I need him help in my marriage, how to love my wife. I need help help from him to raise my kids. How do I give them wisdom and direction? I need them, I need God's help in loving and honoring my parents. Because some of you have parents who don't know Christ. I need his help. I need help in so many areas. And you know, we look at those as kind of the mundane, but the reality is they're not mundane when you're in the midst of it because you're trying to figure out how do I honor God in this? And you know where it starts? It starts with prayer. Amen. Lord, help. I need you. I need you. We, the church, need you. If we are going to magnify and glorify him. Brothers and sisters, how desperately do you need God? Furthermore, Greg said last week, we're in a war. Am I believe that? <laughs> Does anybody really believe that? So war this morning, sitting there, thinking about coming up here as I'm battling in my flesh, anxiety and fear and worry. What am I going to say? What's this going to be like? Some of you, some of you struggle in all kinds of areas in which you're battling. Lust, greed. all kinds of sins that we can live. Covetousness. Pride. It's all going on in the heart, yes? How did we root it out? Him. Help me. I'm in a battle. You know, Paul says we put on this what? We put on this full armor. Y'all, y'all familiar with that? Y'all, y'all haven't forgotten that? The full armor of God, Right? And the question is, well, okay, we put on the full armor of God. That's how we fight the battle, he says in Ephesians. But how do you appropriate the armor? How do you put the armor on? Can I suggest it tells us? In Ephesians 6, verse 18, it says, Praying at all times in the Spirit. Right after it talks about that last piece of armor, praying at all times in the Spirit so that what? So that we can appropriate what God has given us in order to fight that battle. And yet too often, 
We go throughout the day not even thinking or realizing that we are in, in that battle. And guess what happens? Temptation comes along. Temptation comes along, yes, and we fall to it. Why? Because we have not intentionally engaged with God to help us to appropriate the Word of God. Brothers and sisters, we desperately need God's help every minute of every hour of every day. I know you believe that. I'm not suggesting you don't. But my question to you is then what does it look like in regards to your prayer life? Because we're told to pray without what? Ceasing. Conversations every day. Lord, help me. I don't know what I'm going to say. By the way, I have these notes, right? And? I want God to do the work. God to speak. God to be exalted in every area. So how do we know how to pray? Well, the only way is to know and to have our eyes fixed on God. I think we often approach prayer with a me-centered attitude. When life gets tough, we want God to fix our problems. Yes? No one's going to agree with me on that? I just see all of you. Huh? Yeah? But God shows us the purpose of prayer is to make much of him. But we cannot make much of him without knowing his word. And the word of God, as we look at it, should inform how we pray. Basically, when we talk about prayer, it's essentially, as we said earlier, our submission to God's will. It's also the idea of imploring him. Lord, please give me what I need in order that I might magnify your name. James makes this little, he gives this little verse in James 5, 16, where he says, the effective prayer of a righteous man can what? Accomplish or availeth, old King James Virgin back there, um, availeth or accomplish what? Much. And I ask the question, well, what does it look like to be a righteous man? Well, we know what it is to be righteous before God based on what? The work of Christ, yes? It's Christ's work. It's his work in our lives to make us who we ought to be. But out of that, we also need to realize that if he has redeemed us, the person who has been redeemed seeks Christ in order to love him and to obey him. So when we look at this model prayer, what we can do is we can say, we can be confident that as we approach the Father as holy, as glorious, seeking to magnify his name, that prayer will accomplish much. Why? Because the goal, the end goal, is that he might be exalted. And guess what? When when he is exalted through us, we get great joy in that. How many of you get great joy in seeing people come to know Christ? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Maybe we need another series on evangelism. I, I... the times that I have had people come to faith under my ministry, I am on cloud nine. I know I didn't do it. But God had the, uh, gave me the privilege of being in that moment to lead that person to faith. That's amazing. It's amazing. 
But think about it in terms of who we are. We, we are but, like I said when we prayed earlier, we're but dust. We are just instruments in God's hands. And the goal is in that, as that instrument, is to magnify him. And we do so by seeking him with all our hearts. So when we look at this model prayer, just a quick note as we get into it, okay? I only have three, only have three points, so bear with me here. The quick note is this, it's a model prayer. What do I mean by that? In other words, the prayer was a framework for how we should pray, okay? Doesn't mean we can't recite or memorize it. I'm a liturgical guy. I like liturgy. I like hearing the Lord's Prayer said. But the purpose of this is that Jesus is giving us a guide of how we should pray. And we know this because Jesus already warned in verse 7, he warned his followers not to use what? Empty or vain repetitions, right? So it almost would be counterproductive for him to say, okay, here is this prayer. You just need to say it. You need to be wrote. So he's not, he's not suggesting this. And also it's interesting that nowhere else in all the scripture, particularly in Acts and the epistles, is this prayer mentioned again. Matter of fact, if you go throughout the New Testament, you'll find all sorts of types of prayers that meet this intent, but it's not the exact. So it's a model prayer, and we want to see this. And what is the context? This is important. What is the context of this prayer? The Sermon on the Mount is the context in which we read this, okay? The disciples' prayer was within this, within this sermon that Jesus gave, gave as all these Jewish people are gathered around and they're listening to what he has to say, all right? And in this sermon, Jesus begins with the Beatitudes. Yes? All familiar with the Sermon on the Mount? He begins with the Beatitudes. And what is the purpose of the Beatitudes? The Beatitudes is to show that it is not the external righteousness that God is concerned with. What he is concerned with is the heart. Blessed are the poor in spirit. It's heart, right? That's, that's where this, this, this prayer takes place. So he's concerned about the heart. He goes on to say, you know, to be gentle, to hunger and thirst for righteousness, etc. All these are characteristics of a heart that has been transformed by God's grace. So when we get to this model prayer, Jesus is saying, this is how I expect my children to model their conversation and communion with me. And here's why. Because when we get with the first part of this prayer, because we're only going to touch on verse 9 this morning. The first part of that prayer is our approach to God. And our approach to God is a heart attitude. It's not the external. Now, I will say this. There can be a posture of prayer. Don't want to minimize that, but that is not what Jesus is concerned with. He's not concerned with the external. He's concerned with what's going on here in the heart. How do we approach God in reverence and humility? Right? Blessed are the poor. And we come before God as poor in spirit, needing, desperately, what? Needing Him. Second point here is this, the, 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 the near context. What's Jesus dealing with in chapter 6? He's dealing with how we serve him. In, many, in one sense. Look at the near context. It says in 6.1, Beware, if you have your Bible open, you do have your Bible here at church. 6.1, Beware 
of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to what? Be seen by them? For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. And he goes on to say, here's what he says, when you give, don't give so that others will praise you. Later on, after prayer, he goes, don't, don't fast so that you will be seen and admired. And don't pray in public to be admired as well. So the goal here is not to say, see how well we can sound. It's a humble submission before God. Instead, what does Jesus say? In verse 6, he says this. Instead, as you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father. How? In secret. Okay? Jesus is not suggesting that we shouldn't have corporate prayer. You already heard me say this. The Acts and the Epistles suggest completely otherwise. Jesus is again dealing with self-righteousness that would include prayers that are ostentatious and flamboyant, prayers that are repetitive. The religious leaders would do this, they would pray this way so that they could what? Look at me, look at me, look how holy I am, look at my life. Jesus said, no, I'm concerned with the heart. I'm concerned with the heart. All right, so this morning we're just going to look at verses 9 and maybe touch on verse 10, but 9, and we're going to have three points. Here it is. Really, real simple. Like simplicity, here it is. The question is, how do we approach God in prayer? That's the question. Here's the question we're in. How do we approach God in prayer? Here's the answer. First of all, we approach God knowing that, number one, God is our Father. Number two, our Father is sovereign. And number three, our Father is holy. Amen. So and we think about this, think about it in the context of who God is, the glory and the majesty. And as we look at this, we realize we have the privilege, Jesus says, of coming in prayer to God. And we begin with this, these words, our Father. Why could Jesus do that? Because why? He is the Son of God. And we who have been born again, guess what? Are heirs with Christ, which means we too can address the God of the universe as Father. No, 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 no. Stop. Father. This is amazing. The God of the universe? We can call him Father? Brothers and sisters, if you read the Old Testament... You won't find this idea as normative. You won't. Not with the Jewish people. As a matter of fact, there is no, no example that we can find where there's a single reference in the Old Testament of a writer directly addressing God as Father. None. None. There is other references, right, such as the Song of Songs, or Song of Moses, excuse me, in, Mo, in, in Deuteronomy 32.6, which says, Do you thus repay the Lord, you foolish and senseless people? Is not he your father who created you, who made you and established you? This morning we were in Malachi, in Malachi 2.10, in which we read, Do we not all have one father? 
has not one God created us? And I believe those two questions go hand in hand, which means I tend to say that he's referring to the Father as God as Father. There is this concept and this understanding by the nation of Israel that God is a father to them. But in prayer, the overwhelming tendency in Jewish circles was to multiply titles ascribing sovereignty, lordship, glory, grace, and the like to God. Jesus addresses God as father. Why? Because he is the son of God. And guess what? We who are in Christ are joint heirs with him, which means we are children of the Father. Please don't take that for granted. Please don't take that for granted. And here's why. The only reason you and I can ever call God our Father is because he, through his son, has adopted us. We were strangers and aliens. We had no hope in without God, as Ephesians says. And yet, in his kindness and in his providence and his love, he says, I will adopt you. You didn't have a choice in that. I'm going to stick my love and affection on you. We have two adopted children. Look, we chose you. He chose you as his children. Which means we have the glorious opportunity to say, Father, Abba, Father. You know that verse, right? You know the verse, Galatians 4, 6 and Romans 8, 15. Paul writes, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Got the exclamation point? You know why? Because I desperately need him. And he goes on in Romans and he says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption of sons by again whom we cry, Abba, Father. I want to highlight something here. I think it's important. The word father may not be very comforting to someone in this room who has experienced an absent or an abusive father. Please hear me. I had a father who loved me. He was not at all perfect. He was very sinful, but he loved me. Because of his love, I have a comforting and reassuring example of what merciful and gracious, what a merciful and gracious father truly is. But someone this morning may have a father who is abusive, unloving, unkind, maybe he wasn't there at all. And for you, the term father carries with it lots of negativity because here's what happens typically. We tend to associate our earthly fathers and our earthly mothers sometimes, but primarily earthly fathers, with our heavenly father. Can I say something to those maybe who are in that category? If that has been your experience, go back and read Romans and Ephesians. 
particularly the first chapter of Ephesians. Because I want you to know that God the Father is nothing like your earthly father. Nothing. You see, our Heavenly Father is without sin. Our Heavenly Father is gracious. Infinitely gracious. Infinitely merciful. Slow to anger. Patient and gentle and loving in so many ways to His children. And He... Your heavenly Father wants to commune with you. He desires to have that communion with you. Your heavenly Father may not have. The God of the universe who loves you wants to commune with you. He wants to. But in order to pray our Father who is in heaven, you must know him as Father. And the only way to truly know him as Father is to know his Son. Because there is no coming to the Father except through the Son. And in the Son's life, we see the perfect image of God. Because the Son is the representation of the Father. He is God. He is God. And when He came, He lived a life in which He laid down Himself for us. That is the heart of of God our Father for us. And so when we pray our Father in heaven, what can we be sure of? I'm just going to give you three. I could give you five or six. We would be here, and the people in the children's church would not be happy. So here's what I'm going to do. Just give you three. And I think these are important. Number one, there is no fear of his wrath. This is huge. Think of a father. Think of father figures, right? We always have this question in our family. Who's the more disciplinarian one, dad or mom? I'm not going to answer that this morning. But I think about it because dads tend to be a little bit more. See some of you dads? I see you out there. I would be scared to be your child. (laughs) And you think about it because here we have a father who is God of the universe, right? He's God of the universe. I want you to think about this for a minute. He has all authority, all power, and he is holy and he, we read where he, what, strikes people dead. Yes? He does. But we're told in Romans 8, 1, therefore now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. As one commentator wrote, to be able to go to God as our Heavenly Father, first of all, means the end of fear. Now, hear me. Be careful here. It's not the fear of reverence. It's not reverence. It's not all. It's the fear of being, what, judged. Why? Because Christ has taken upon himself our judgment. It's a glorious truth. Paul says in Romans 1 that the wrath of God is right now being revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. But for those who are united in Christ, to Christ, by faith, there is no condemnation. We come before our Heavenly Father with boldness and confidence that He is what? He's for me. He's for me. God is for you. 
Do you believe that? Secondly, our loving the Father, as we come to Him in prayer, our loving Father, as we come to Him, we can know that He desires to give us good gifts. Yes? Yes? I mean, if you have salvation, you have all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. Yes? Hmm, how long do you believe it? The fact that you and I here this morning are even here is an evidence of God's kindness toward us. The fact we can look here at each other, love each other, support each other, pray for one another, is all of his doing. The fact that you're even here this morning is because of what he has done. All of it. And I think about this in James 1.17. Every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, which is, there's no variation or shifting shadow, which means what? He'll never change. If you're his child, you're his child forever. Sealed. Done. I love this. Matthew 7.11. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. That's me. I'm serious. It's every father in this room. Evil in my heart, sin in my heart. I want to give good gifts, but how much our Father, right? If I know how to give good gifts to my children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? Our Father will always give us what we need for our good. By the way, which includes times of discipline, because whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. That's good. If he didn't discipline me, he doesn't love me. And thirdly, knowing God as our Father reminds us that He is always with us. Look, I just said earlier, this is massive. Absent fathers, it's prevalent in this culture. It's everywhere. Absent fathers, it's normative in our culture. Unfortunately, sadly. Not with our Heavenly Father. He never will leave us. Ever. He will never leave us or forsake us. Because why? He loves us in a way we can't begin to imagine. In John, in John 14, 21, Jesus says, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Talking about himself. And then he says this, And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. And this morning, if you have the Spirit of God within you, and you're hearing this being preached, you see what others cannot see, and that is this, that your Father loves you in a way you can't begin to imagine. So that is our Father. Number two, hang with me. God, our Father, is sovereign. Why do we know that? Because in the text, what we read, our Father, and it says, a little prepositional phrase, when you read the text of Scripture, don't overlook prepositions. Our Father in heaven. This is the idea of transcendence. God rules over all. We know He is imminent. We know He is with us. But here's what we know as well. God is ruling over all creation. John Calvin writes, when the Scripture says that God is in, that in heaven... The meaning is that all things are subject to his dominion. 
that the world and everything in it is held by his hand, that his power is everywhere diffused, and all things are arranged by his providence. That is glorious. As a sovereign, sovereign, sovereign father, we can know he is always with us and he has all the resources. You have a father who knows exactly what is going to happen today, this afternoon, this week, years to come. And he's always with you. There's no surprises. And when we say our father is in heaven, we acknowledge that he is the God who is not only near to us, but he's also the God who rules over all. Psalm 11.4 says, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. Yes, God reigns in our hearts through the Spirit, His Spirit, the Holy Spirit. But He also reigns from heaven. Psalm 115.3 says, but our God is in the heavens. He does whatever He pleases. Amen. I just like to have a father like that. Earthly father. I got this. Kid comes to you, Dad. This is going on at school. I got this. No, just I can take care of everything. Give you whatever you want. Oh, so many kids. No, don't get any ideas here. Man, he, he does, he owns it all. It's his. Our lives belong to him. Our, we are his children. And everything in this life is his. Do we truly believe that God in his sovereignty has the ability, hear me, to answer and fulfill anything he desires? And that as ruler of all creation, his wisdom is infinite. Because if you believe that, it changes your prayers. You're concerned often how prayers. Here's one. God be with us. He's with me. I'm sad. I mean, he is. That's not arrogance. It's not just not trying to make a point. It's like, wait a minute. If I'm his child, he's with me. Every minute. He's with me. And you think about some of the the prayers in terms of sickness and trials. If God is sovereign over those and we believe it, yes, we can pray for healing. I'm not suggesting we don't. But what about changing the prayer a little bit and saying, okay, God is sovereign. This is a purpose in your life for your good. Yeah, is that right tracking? If he wants to discipline you and make you more like Christ, could it be in our prayer, Lord, we pray for healing, but we want your will accomplished in our sister or brother's life so that they would know you more. That your grace and your glory and your majesty is what they ought to be considering in that moment of sickness and hurt and pain. Why? Because I have a lot of people in my circle who are hurting tremendously. What do we do? We come alongside as God does, right? Does God weep with those who weep? Does God care for those who are hurting? And shouldn't our hearts be the same way? We weep with those who weep. We rejoice with those who rejoice, but what do we take confidence? He's sovereign. He's good. He's got a purpose and plan in this. I'm going to trust him. Why? Because I know he rules over all things. 
So when we pray, our Father in heaven, we are praying, may your what will be done. And then we come to the last piece that begins the first petition in here. May your name be hallowed. God, our Father, is holy. He is set apart. He is different. And in this, and in this first petition here, because you read it when he says, Our Father in heaven, and then we're requesting, this is the request, hallowed, oh, may your name be made holy. God's name is holy. God's name is holy. So what does this mean as we think about what does it mean to hallow God's name? The word hallowed is an old English word that comes from the Greek word hagios, which is fairly common when associated with the Lord in the Old Testament, holy or sanctified. Isaiah came to understand that when in Isaiah 57, 15, he writes, I am the high and lofty one whose name is holy. God's name is holy. We throw all kinds of names around about God. It's wrong. It's sin. His name is holy. Isaiah was well aware of his holiness, right? Why? Because in Isaiah 6, he's in the throne room of God, and he gets a glimpse of God in that throne room, and he records for us that the seraphim, or the angels, stood above his throne, and they constantly cried out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. The whole earth is full of his glory. D.A. Carson says God's name is a reflection of who he is. God's name is God himself as he is and has revealed himself. And so his name is already holy. In the Old Testament, we find all kinds of names for God. He told Moses, I am. He is the God who is most high. He is El Shaddai, God who is almighty. Elion, the God who possesses heaven and earth. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. But here Jesus says, hallowed be your name. What does it mean to pray that God's name be made holy? If God's name is holy, why would we pray in that way? Well, I think one of the things that we need to consider as we approach God is that we are praying that his name be treated as sacred in our prayers and in the lives of the people around us. So when we say, hallowed be your name, we are saying, God, let people understand how holy and set apart you are. We are praying that God would cause his name to be magnified and made preeminent above all names. Our priority of prayer is that he would be exalted. Prayer is not about us, brothers and sisters. I know we think it is. I know some of you chafe at that statement. I have no reason to chafe at that statement. And here's why. I know that God loves me. Yes? The fact that he would allow any of us to participate in his plan or his kingdom should just floor you. 
So when I am praying that God's name would be exalted, what I am saying is, God, I want my life to reflect who you are. Which means when I come in prayer, here's it, here it is. When I come in prayer, I am immediately saying, I want to walk in obedience to who you are so that your name might be made known. And what does that look like? It looks like a thousand different ways. Why? Because of God's character and his nature. Yes? Think about it in terms of compassion. Think about it in terms of loving one another. It's not about me. The me culture has a just, it's totally in the church. That's why corporate prayer probably has fallen apart. Because it becomes about me. God has called you to a community. Our Father. Our Father. That's, as I checked, uh, I don't know if English teacher tip, but it's plural. Us, right? I don't remember if it's third person. Don't ask me. But it's plural. Our, 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 us, that he might be magnified, which means what? When we pray corporately, we come together and say, Lord, would you magnify your name through your people, the people of God here at Gateway? Does that make sense? Because we want to see your name glorified in Montgomery. I want to see my neighbors come to know Christ. I want to see the people I work with come to know Christ. I want my life to hallowed his name. And I don't do very well. And can I say this? Probably in this room we could all say that, yes? Which means what? I come to him by faith and say, Lord, would you please help me grow in understanding you that your name might be hallowed in my life and in the community of believers. Gateway might be a church where God's name is held high. In our humility, in our loving one another, in our being with one another, in sacrificing for each other. So that the name of God might be magnified. Do we want, will you say with all of our heart, Lord, Magnify your name in all the earth. And start with me. I want to see you glorified. Because if I'm your child, the greatest joy I ever find is knowing you and worshiping you according to who you are. And what are, so what are the implications? As we close, we are reminded of our attitude and heart posture before a holy God. Hear me. How do we come before him? Do we pray? When we pray, do we do so with awe and reverence? This morning, we sang some songs that were about the majesty and the glory of God. I hope, if you weren't raising your hand, like some of us were, it's good. But I hope in your heart you were. I hope in your heart you were going, yes, he is holy. He is glorious and he saved me and he made me his child. I can't believe I have a relationship with the God of the universe. Secondly, and when we pray, hallowed be your name, do we do so with a deep desire because of our hearts to honor God in our lives? If we are to pray, holy be your name, 
We need to be willing to be conformed to his will. And the rest of that, which we can't get into, is your will be done, not mine. Your kingdom come, not mine. Because in this room, all of us, including myself, tend to serve one kingdom, and it's the kingdom of me. That is not what God has called us to. He's called us to pray in such a way that his kingdom is seen, his kingdom is glorified, his kingdom come, his will be done in our lives. How do we encourage one another in that? We do so through corporate prayer. We do so through, with corporate prayer. We come together corporately. We should be praying in such a way that as we pray, we're saying, God, we want to see your will done here at Gateway. What does that look like? We know some things based on his word. But we want your will be done so that we walk humbly before you, dependent, totally dependent on you. Brothers and sisters, is that your desire? Is that your heart? Let's pray. Father, we stand amazed in your presence. We stand amazed that we are not struck down because we are but sinful creatures. We stand amazed in your presence that you, the God of the universe, would give us, your children, the privilege to commune with you, our Lord, our God, and our Savior. We rejoice that you are the sovereign Lord who rules and reigns over all creation and rules and reigns over Gateway Baptist Church. Open our eyes this morning that we might see more of you, that we might see your glory and your majesty, that we might be submitted to your kingdom and to your authority. We pray that your name might be revered and reverenced by your people here at Gateway. And we pray that through our influence, your name might be reverenced wherever you place us. Forgive us for when we have taken your name in vain. Oh God, forgive us. And may we honor you with our hearts and with our lips from this day forward. I pray in Christ's precious and holy name. Amen. You please stand with us in the Son of God.
of gathering together, seeking God corporately. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority be all, before all time, now and forevermore. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Amen.